Hey, this is Richard Todema, your New Zealand entrepreneur. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing Post with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsas. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Richard Torema, and he is an entrepreneur who loves to create new wealth ideas. Richard's experience has always been in sales and wealth creation. He runs a number of businesses in New Zealand and offshore. Relationship building is critical to succeed with business partnerships, which include corporates and governments. Richard, a big welcome to you. Thank you. Yeah. What should I say to you? Kia ora. Kia ora. Yeah. Hey, so you're you're here in Auckland, New Zealand, is that right? Correct. Yeah. So our listeners, of course, are around the world. And we're going to have a chat here for about 30 minutes, 35 minutes, just have a little bit of a dialogue in relation to the topic of leadership is changing and so forth. So I've given our listeners a little bit of introduction to you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you. Yep. I'm pretty much entrepreneurial. I started in the sales field. So I was a sales rep selling uh, industrial products, uh, services. I had a large territory, pretty much all in New Zealand. So what I learned from there is uh, I learned a number of things that sales are the wealth creators of companies. That's the first thing I learned, especially if you work for an American company. They really look after you (laughs) if you can bring in the goods and the money. But my background was built on sales. Uh, The foundation was built on sales. I developed it. I learned techniques and skills, and I honed in my particular skills in actually creating their wealth and building up relationships. That's what I learned. So a bit about myself, I went into business on a number of times. We created a large company, a big IT training company, probably towards the end of the 80s. And we caught the wave, you know, where people go to computers, they need to be trained on it. So we actually caught that, that wave and created a large wealth. And I learned about leadership. I learned about, you know, large um, large numbers of staff and what that incorporates and what that tails. But I'll, I'll, I'll speak more about that later on, about staff and I learned the technology at an early age because right now technology is everywhere. So I've lived in Egypt for two years, Middle East, Saudi for a year, Philippines for two years up in China. So I've been around and I went from sales and I really delved into the international side of business. I speak a number of foreign languages, which is very helpful. But also being Maori, being culture, you can actually accept other cultures, which is important. And being religious, I'm religious. You learn about Islam and about the Catholics in the Philippines. So you've got to be mindful of that if you are to succeed. And that's something where people miss that opportunity. You know, you got to understand the cultures. And I, yeah, and I mastered that. So that's about me, tech companies. I own a, 
an IT company. I own a uh, construction company, which we're doing very well at the moment because of what's happening out there. So we bring finance in. And right now we're um, financing projects that have sort of gone bunk. (laughs) So we've caught that wave. And also a decentralized system from America. We're putting that in a number of countries um, right now. So decentralization is another sort of a change. So you've got to catch that wave and you've got to understand the opportunity. And sales taught me that. So that's about me. Um, Awesome. I'm open, friendly, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, tell me, when you said decentralization, uh, it's a thing at the moment. What, what, what do you mean by that? Decentralization is protecting your own privacy and it's protecting your own assets. A centralized system is where everything is open. And so anyone can see it. A decentralized is mainly come the lines of blockchain, blockchain technology. So, for example, in America, there's, well, I heard there was nine and a half million people that couldn't get married last year because of COVID. So they come up with a decentralized system. <laughs> you get it? So it can be done, you know, and it can be verified and you own it. And cryptocurrency is sort of based on that. A number of cryptocurrencies are based on a decentralized system. Yeah. Yeah. The, the attraction to that is um, it gets rid of a lot of jobs, mm-hmm. accountants, lawyers, you know, you actually don't need them. Right, right. And, yeah. That's their nemesis, this, this uh, decentralized system. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so it's wow. kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And whereabouts did you grow up in New Zealand? Oh, sorry. I grew up in Puriro, Wellington. Oh, wow. Bread. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I lived in Christchurch for 13 years. Hamilton for a number of years, Auckland. Went back to Puriro. My mother still lives down there. I go down there and see her. But, uh, I mean, I like Auckland. I mean, I, I actually love Auckland. I, I grew to love it. Christchurch, I love. South Island, I loved it. And, and, and where I grew up has an impact on your character when you're brought up with, because Porirua was we were close in a bunch and great place to be brought up. Did the mm. outdoors thing. Well, they didn't have internet then, you know, so you go and play outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, got oh, creative. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so listeners, you're listening to two Wellingtonians here. Um, <laughs> we both were born in, in, in Wellington and, um, and so, Rich is in Pararua, and I was in Miramar and the eastern suburbs, oh, yeah. and and so that's where I grew up as well. And um, but we're both now living in Auckland, and both loving the city, so which is really cool. So, Richard, thanks for sharing the background. That's awesome to hear. Hey, a little bit about how did you get into leadership? So you shared a little bit about the sales side of things and yep. getting involved and in, and in, in living in different countries. But how did you get into leadership? Leadership. How I got into this actually when you start owning your own companies. Uh, when I was going through the sales field, uh, you know, you got management, you got leadership. Leadership was more about relationship building, and they could see your leadership in terms of you representing your company, the products or services you got on offer, and it's about the techniques and styles on how you use to, I guess, make a sale. <laughs> so I started to use that, and then when we went into business, you know, we grew a company up to about 500 staff. And that was big. So leadership then got more important. So how do you motivate? How do you be in tune with your staff when there's so many? You know, so mainly you got to rely. You, you can't be everywhere at once. So you got to have managers that manage people. And then the managers have got to be trained and you got to get the reports and you got to make sure are the reports accurate? Are they um, viable? Do they make sense? You know, can you make sense out of all this data? So leadership is about, to me, well, what brought me into it is actually be more effective more efficient in uh, your deliveries of what you've got to do. <clears throat> Measuring your outcomes was important, but also um, in business, obviously, uh, money is, is everything and also creating that cash flow. So leadership is about uh, making people account. If you pay the manager, you know, a good, good uh, salary, then obviously their responsibilities are important to you because you want accurate information. You want, you want to see the proof that the work has been done. And the result is, is that 
your customers are happy, their staff is happy, which are your staff, and you're making money. <laughs> you know? And any problems that arise, because nothing goes according to plan, that the leadership style that you've incorporated allows that to actually solve those issues or problems that come around. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of things in life, people, even watching it, watching people do projects and things like that, and they think there's a budget, but it's never going to be the right budget because it never works out mm. to be that way. And it's quite interesting how you, you know, you've got to be able to adjust and adapt with that. Hmm. And yeah, it's really, really, really interesting to see. And so 500 staff, that's awesome. And to see and then having that right leadership team around you, which would, be, would have been important and making sure people are there to account. Now, when we say account, we don't mean counting numbers only, team. Hmm. We're talking about being accountable, right? And that's that's probably a big thing we, we're, we're needing to see. Do you think we see enough leaders today being accountable and taking ownership, Richard? Uh, that's a good one. I've been in a, like, uh, I do a lot of contract work, mainly in economic development, business development. And what I see is, is board, boards of these organizations, they hire the wrong person mm. for the job. And straight away, you're off to a bad start. And I don't know what's gone wrong, the processing or whatever. Excuse me, I always put it down to they really don't know the type of person they want to lead this organization. Right. Or, or it's not clear what the objectives that they want to achieve. And so if you've got the wrong leader in there, and you know, it could be a narcissist, it could be someone that has its own agenda, there's major problems. And it's like a project manager. If you start it wrong, it's going to start going wrong all the way through and it's just going to get worse. So that's that's what I've seen. And I think leaders, the leader quality is to me is people people. A people's person, you know, they understand it, they get it, they can see through crap, <laughs> they can they can smell it, you know, and they can see it, but they also have solutions to that, you know. A leader, in, in my ways, is someone that is not afraid to get their hands dirty, he speaks from experience, he or she speaks from experience, they know the real deal, and they can actually motivate people to actually make them feel highly motivated and to get their job done. It's not about belittling them or blaming them or anything like that because that just creates um, confusion too. So someone that's not a very, very good leader and it shows where you get quality staff go, innovation and all that stuff is sort of suppressed and then you, all you've got is just a soup of um, mess. Mm. Leader's quality is, is a people person or people people? People people. Someone that, that that's a people's person, you know, that can understand people, that's interactive, is approachable, you know? Mm-hmm. But also it's very clear yep. on what needs to be done. You know how you said before about sometimes they hire people or they bring people on board and they're not very clear on what they're looking for and then they bring the wrong person on board. This is something I ask a lot of leaders today and I think it's what a lot of boards are starting to think about more even so yeah, yeah. than before, which is do we have the <clears> right CEO on board? Then the CEO should be thinking, Do we have? To, are we in the right business? The board should be thinking, are we in the right business? Do we need to pivot, adapt, do whatever we need to do? Do we have the right organizational structure to support that business? And then finally, do we have the right leadership team in place to help this business move forward? What I mean, you talked about clarity, having clarity on what you're looking for. How important is that and why? That is, especially with globalization and it's particularly with um, what's happening in New Zealand. Like One thing I've always stated is that government, just needs to make a policy change mm -hmm. and then your business is either going to grow substantially or it's not going to grow and government throw you a bone or your business is gone <laughs> or it's stuffed. 
So when Labour come in, okay, charter schools, what happened to them? Gone, you know? Oil, gas, all that stuff, gone. So if that business is aligned to that, well, you're finished. So basically, the leader has got to be clearly understand government policy and where government's throwing the money, where the threats are, how they can access funds if they're in that, that business or funds. But even if you're in your private sector, I mean, how many retailers are saying they're doing well right now? <laughs> if you've got a supermarket, I think you're doing pretty well. Yeah, you're doing pretty well in the supermarket. Yeah. But the average retailer, you know, he's probably still, they're still probably shaking their head saying, open up, you know. I mean, around me, uh, my favorite Vietnamese restaurant shut down, you know. So you can, it's a visual, you know, you can see the effects. So a good leader can can actually say, okay, even though COVID came up and, you know, came out of left field, but it's the, the ability to adapt, you know, to actually be creative and to actually say, okay, maybe we've got to change a few things, if not change the whole thing. Yeah, and survive. It's about surviving, you know. Yeah, that's true. True, true. So listeners, um, Richard, what Rich is talking about is that here in New Zealand at the moment, because Richard, we have listeners all around the world, we are in another lockdown with the pandemic, but particularly here in Auckland, the area, whereby this is week 12 for us that we're, we're into now of a lockdown, which is just driving us nuts. Our vaccine rates are high. Other countries are opening up. The, the world's getting underway and we're still stuck here and um, it's getting quite frustrating. A lot of businesses are going under and we're starting to see a lot of mental health issues. We're starting to see suicides and we're starting to see people struggling. And and so that's what Richard's talking about, uh, which is really quite sad to see happening here, Richard. Richard, here's another question for you. Who is your favorite leader? Now, this somebody can be alive or from history and there may be many people, but who's the one for you? Who's your favorite leader and why? An American. His name is Patrick Bet David. He runs YouTube podcasts called Value Entertainment, Valuetainment. Now, why I like him is because he, I relate to him. I understand what he's saying. He gives these 20 minute, 30 minute tips on certain subjects, like all about entrepreneurship. One is about the pressure of being an entrepreneur, the value of money. But what I like about him is that he is like now, you know, he's 2021. He's not talking four years ago right. or seven years ago. He's talking now. And to me, that's good because his advice is actually sound, you know. A lot of it I can relate to what he's what he's saying. And then also there's a lot that I actually learn from that. So, oh, that's a good one, you know. But he talks also from a globalization, you know, a global topics. Like he'll bring very important guests in. Like he talked about the China and American economic, you know, war happening. You know, he talks about the politics of Democrats and Republicans, how that affects not only America but the world. So I listen to that because any leader's got to understand what's happening out there with the trends of the world, particularly with China. You know, you've got a big supply chain management problem, you've got all that. And he predicted that and he said that and I listened to it. So that enables me to also prepare myself and prepare the companies that we're in, particularly if you're in construction. So I get an insight into it. The other thing is he makes sense. You know, I can actually relate to that. It makes sense. Now, the other um, ones that I've sort of chosen to look at, one was Winston Peters, uh, New Zealand First. Admittedly, I was on the board with him twice, seasoned politician. His leadership skills is one that I noticed with him, he, he doesn't forget. Like, he's a longest-serving politician. He's not there now, but he may be back soon. But he knows the lay of the land. He knows what's happening, and he knows what to say. And that's what I like about his style. Knows what to say at the right time as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially with major events that make him look good, you know. And any politician, he knows how to play the game. He knows when to say something and when, when not to. Yeah. So what I'm hearing here, Richard, from what you shared early on, plus also now about the, your favorite leaders, is that your ability as a leader today for you to, to do really well is you've got to be actually really 
understand what the industry, governments, policies, where everything is going in the world. And I like what you say about the guy, Patrick, that you've been following and that as well as that he's now, he's relevant. And he's today, he's here talking about things that are relevant, which is great. Yeah. Because that's what we need to do. We need to talk about today, but we also need to talk about the future. Yes. Yeah, which is really good. Excellent. Hey, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. And when I mentioned that show title or that statement, what does that mean for you? Leadership is changing. What it means for me, one is um, artificial intelligence technology. From experience of having a large amount of employees, one thing I learned is it's best not to have employees, <laughs> especially now. You don't want them. Now, what I say is that I've got a number of technology employees, like I've got a software program, a CRM system called Nifty. Now, Nifty, he's $58 a month. So he collates all my projects. He collates all the timeframes. I can uh, put the files and data on there. I can make a certain project public so other people can access the data. Nifty will train me on updates. They'll train me how to use it. He's 24 hours, seven days a week. He works through Christmas. He doesn't go on a holiday. He doesn't take breaks and he doesn't moan and argue with me. Now, if I do something wrong, he will correct me. See, that's the new leadership style. That's your new employee. I mean, uh, Zoom is, is another good one. Microsoft Teams is another good one. Zero is another good one. They cost you a lot less than minimum wage. <laughs> they don't complain. And they're always adapting themselves to, to, to suit the new needs. So leadership is changing. You've got to understand technology. You really got to understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, in other words, what he's saying here, uh, listeners, is that life will be so much simpler without people. But um, yeah, 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 that's true. But the thing is, you've got to understand technology. You've got to be digital technology savvy. Yep. And I actually think, Richard, we need to be active in that technology world. You do. I mean, YouTube can train you up on really relatively anything, really. I mean... Technology is your norm now. Like we all work from home, we're all set up that way. And that just, it, it's about making your job a lot easier. You understand where everything is. You know what's happening out there and what you're doing. Like my business partner rings me up and he goes with the construction further down the line. He goes, Oh, you know, we've got staff, you know, and I said, That's why we don't want them. <laughs> you know, because you spend more time looking after them. You got to hire people to manage them. You know, you got to check on their effects and everything. And, you know, labor laws aren't always friendly in New Zealand towards the employer. So next year, we've got five extra six days we've got to pay for. We've got an extra um, holiday. So that, how many employees you got? That could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you got to take that into consideration. Mm. You know, why would you want them? I mean, for me personally, I don't want employees. Contractors, yes, but we marginalize it out with technology. Amazing. So I'm, I'm hearing more and more of this late, of late, right? Maybe it's the, the, the future of the workforce, but I think it's more about not just people working from home. I interviewed a gentleman many, many, several, several episodes before this, and he talked about the subscription workforce. Yeah. And he talks about whereby it's the contracting, bringing people in, we're paying them a certain fee, a flat fee, whatever, but we're yep. bringing people in for a piece of work and then they're out again. And so you're starting to see that already, Richard. Well, definitely. I mean, the way I look at it is, um, and I always say this, is if we want someone to contract with us, we I tell them, we don't want you to work for us. We're not working for you. We're working with each other. Yeah. That's the first thing. And the second thing is I normally contract somebody in that I know. Because mm. <laughs> you know? business is business, you know, and I know that they can do the job. So here it is. This is how much we pay. Now, one thing, and one guy, person we're looking at bringing in is I said to him, look, I don't care if you go away for a holiday for a week, just take your cell phone and your laptop. Just get your job done. Because I know you can do it. 
any issues, give me a call. But make sure when you ring, make sure you haven't already tried to solve it, you know, before you come. He knows, you know, and then she knows too. So that's the key for me. It's it's changing. You know, this 8 to 5, I don't think maybe not, maybe in some businesses, but I think it's a 24-7 thing now. And you could take a break in the morning and work all hours of the night. You know, get up at 4 in the morning, but go back to bed at 8 o'clock in the morning and wake up at lunchtime. You know, it's changed. Mm, it certainly is. Mm. So we're here in a fast-paced, ever-changing world. What makes leaders successful today in a fast-paced, ever-changing world? I think they're successful because, hey, they want to be, and they're conscious of their surroundings around them, like it's forever changing. Like, okay, yeah, we understand government policies and how that affect my business. you got to know that. People skills of all different types, you know, that you've got to groom people, teach them. you got to, to sort of adapt to them and say, okay, I understand you, so let's see how we can make this work. Let's, let's grow you. I believe that leaders now have got to be opportunists, and they've got to be multi-skilled in terms of knowing now technology, I've got a good grasp on that. Sales and digital marketing, got a very good grasp on that. Financial literacy, I know the basics. That is not my my skill base. And I did a course on zero and I didn't get it. <laughs> you know, right. So I went back and did it again. But my business partner, he's very good at it. See? So we complement each other. Yeah. His weakness is my strength. His um my my weakness are his strength. Hmm. So it's a bit like a marriage, you know? Yep. So you fall into that mode of saying, okay, I'll put my trust and faith and confidence in you. And it works both ways. So I don't ring up to check up on the you know. I will ring up to let him know that my function in this area is working. This is what's happening. And then he will let me know, hey, look, we've, we've got this contract. We've got this deal. This is how we did it. I've already seen it on the emails. I looked on Nifty and saw all the players and everybody. So I'm well informed of what's going on. So a leader's got to be multi-skilled, I believe. They've got to be, they, the talent base has to be wider. Well, one thing I don't like is, is people that micromanage. You, you know, no, no disrespect to the older ones. I mean, I'm getting old, but sometimes they, how can I put it? There, there's a lot of BS jobs out there where people love to give orders and say, go and do this, do that, do that. But it's not necessary, you know? But you don't need those people. You don't need them. That leadership skill is, is just, should be dead. Should have been dead and buried ages ago, but it's still out there. Amazing, eh? Yeah, it's amazing. And the creativity is someone that doesn't say a lot, but knows what's going on. And they'll guide you, that they will coach you, they will mentor you. They won't be your mum or dad, but, you know, and they will be firm and hard. Like, I have no problem telling some of the people that I'm, I'm collaborating with is that you've failed, you know? You have failed to achieve this. But this is how I believe we can, you know, you're not there to rip them to pieces because it's you need them to be motivated so it's your style of leadership i guess and it's got to fit you know i know a lot of these young ones coming through i mean personally i find a lot of them don't have a backbone you know you need that that gritty toughness you know mm. and people really they can't sell <laughs> so, noticed it. so richard why, why do you think they don't have that backbone they have that grittiness what, what what's what's lacking well how come it's lacking I think it's lacking because of too many rules when they're growing up that sort of favor them. Like if they they need to be pushed, there's sort of element of, hey, you know, it's okay to fail. You know, it's okay to fall over, but get back up, you know, because it toughens you up. And they're not having that. Um, how I, another way I can put it is, is that they're not ambitious, maybe. You know, the ambition isn't there. Hungry, they want it now. Um, they think success is only two or three days away. Well, you got to do the hard yards, you know, you got to get your hands dirty. And you're going to have failures. I've had many failures, but you got to keep going because failures and all these um, trials that will come grow your character. 
makes you better, makes you stronger. You're aware of what's going on. So making mistakes is a good thing. I suppose fear of making mistakes is something that, you know, because they feel that they're, you know, letting everyone down or that. But a good leadership knows that, hey, I've made, I've had failures too, you know. Well, I think that's why we are leaders today, because we have made mistakes in the past. But, you know, you can make mistakes and keep making them. That's not what we're, no, that's not what we're talking about. What Rich is saying here is making mistakes is great. It's okay. Learn from it. Dust yourself off and then get on with it again and get back up onto that saddle and on the horse and and go for it again. Rich, when you were talking about the backbone thing, also I was thinking to myself, is that sort of like another example of nowadays I know in kids' sports, we stop counting the score after a certain yeah. – <laughs> is, is that an example of that? I believe so. When I watched my granddaughter play basketball, man, I was watching in, there was no score on the scoreboard, and I pointed out, oh, how do you know he's going to win? Oh, we don't do that. Well, how do you know he's going to win? Oh, it's only participation. <laughs> so they participate, you know? And I'm looking at that thinking, where's that? That grrr. <laughs> yep. Yep. That makes good sports people, you know? And I'm thinking, gee, that's changed. Has. You know, you go, you go out there to kill them, you know? That, you, know you go out there to, you know, to really use your talents. But you can't do that now, you know? It's not nice. You've know, you got to be kind. Interesting. So you and I have been talking about leaders and from their lenses and so forth. So if we were to flip the the discussion now a little bit differently and think through the lens of an employee. Yeah. And I know you've been saying we don't always need people. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I think the expectation of a – it really depends maybe on the age group, the age gap, experience gap, different styles of an employee that they look at. Government sector is very different to the private sector. And if they move around or one goes into the other, they may see things differently. I think the expectations of an employee, if, say, for example, with entrepreneurs, is the employee's got to understand that an entrepreneur is all about creativity and it's all about meeting customer expectations. It's all about finding the opportunity within the opportunities. Or it's also eliminating or deleting a business product or service that either is obsolete or just doesn't make money. So the expectations of an employee should be the one of being able to adapt new skills, new way of doing things. And that definitely radiates with us being entrepreneurs. They they know it, you know. They know that, that we are, you know, out for the opportunity. COVID-19, as bad as it is, we always look at what's the opportunity, mm. you know, what's the opportunity here, you know. And that filters down to the employee where the employee would be thinking, hmm, this is my job. This is how I function with my job. How do I add that mentality or that way of thinking into the way I do my job? Nice way of thinking. Yeah, because um, we, we like their parents, you know. Hmm. You know, kids follow their parents and do what their parents do or say. Yes. So we bring that culture in. Okay. We say, hey, you know, have you ever thought of doing it this way? Or the employer could say, I've got an idea because they're on the ground, you know. And you've got to give them that opportunity to express that. They've got to have the time to express that. And as as employer, I suppose, or you have to be able to listen, you know, because we're not always right. You know, I mean, I've learned so many lessons where some of these employees or contracts we have, and they just said the one thing that just saved me thousands of dollars because we listened, you know. So the expectations of employee on us is, I mean, obviously be fair, treat them well, definitely do that. But the expectation, I believe, from an employee is to adapt to the company, company's direction or where we're going. You've got to pivot, you know. Nowadays, you've got to pivot real fast, you know. Yeah. Whereas you're dead in the water or you're sinking. Yep, absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Richard, it's quite interesting how you say that about the employees. I think for a lot of them today, they want to be heard. They want to be, you know, as you said, they've got some great ideas and their minds and a group of minds is way better than yours or mine, right? I mean, it's just they'll come up with things better and they could save you some money or they could make you money. Yes. Which is all good. Very good. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Hey, if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out now and start talking about or thinking about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years? I think leadership would be more IT-focused, mm. technology-focused, because everything now evolves around technology and it's changing fast. And that could make the difference between our country or any other country as wealth being increased or decreased. So I think leadership, you gotta, you got to breed leaders that are open and they have a focus to create wealth, not only for themselves, but for the people that they work with and partnership with, but also countries. If you're talking globalization, Mm -hmm. China seems to be doing it very well. And a lot of countries do it well. But I believe in five years, I believe what we're doing now probably could be changed. Like maybe home deliveries and everything is the way of the future now. Mm Mm-hmm. That's one. And another one is, as I always say, government policies. I mean, New Zealand government policies could also be made because of international policy changes there. I mean, you've got the was it climate change thing going on. You've got anti-vaxxers and all this stuff. So what if, how does that affect, you know, what does that look like in five years? So I think in five years' time from now to then, there'll be a lot of conflicts. There'll be a lot of energy expelled at political leaders as well as uh, corporate companies. So you've just really got to navigate that. So a leader, to me, a good leader is someone that doesn't get aggressive or angry. Some people could be yelling at them, but they're so calm and collective because it's their character. You know, they're trying to make sense of it. They're trying to understand it. Yeah, and trying to evaluate it in their head saying, okay, okay, how does that affect us? I mean, is it going to affect us? Is it really meaningless, you know? Am I wasting my time with this, you know? They've got to focus on what matters. That's why they've got to keep their ears to the ground, eyes wide open. You know, and they've got to know the lay of the land within your product or services you're offering. Globalization, you've got to understand what's happening out there. And you've got to understand the networks you have are crucial. And maybe you need new networks, get rid of old ones. And there's a lot of, like I say, a lot, how can I put a lot of uh, con entrepreneurs out there, you know? Mm. They're ready to, you know, con you. Globalization, that brings it on, you know? Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so leadership's got to be aware of these things. Yeah, absolutely. So leaders need to focus on what matters, listeners. And Richard, hey, look, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get a hold of you, where should they go? LinkedIn will be the best one. Profile's on there, Richard Taurima, T-A-U-R-I-M-A. So it's on there and just send me a message. Yeah, that's the best way. Yeah, good. We'll put your uh, link into the show notes. So that's good. So Richard, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being published. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show or a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. 
Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.